Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Hey, Dev. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Feels good. Feels good to be out of 2020. My fingers are crossed that 2021 is, even if it's marginally better, just a better year overall. That's what I'm hoping for. Seriously, my fingers, my toes, everything is crossed. Like new year, new start. I feel like the fingers crossed crossed emoji will be used the most in 2021 than it ever has before. (laughs) I would love to see the data behind most used emoticons. (laughs) Yeah, and what was the, the one from 2020 was probably the face with the mask. Face with a mask, maybe the middle finger. Uh, I don't, I don't know. That'd be good. If anyone out there has emoticon data, please send it over to us at reveal at gong.io. We'll give you a shout out. Maybe some gong swag. We'll see. So new years are always a new start. I'm curious if over the holidays, over the break, you had some time to think about what you're trying to work on personally, professionally uh, over this year. Yes, absolutely. This is something that um, I'd like to say I take seriously, but more not in a rigid way, something I do enjoy doing. Um, My wife is a big on the vision boards. So we've, we've Mm. done we do those now we've done those for a couple years. Uh, For those maybe listening, not knowing what it is, or thinking you know what it is, and they're kind of a little kumbaya, they're a little, you know, kind of out there. Uh, Really what it is, it's just getting all of the, it's it's visualizing things that you want to bring towards you in life. And I don't think there's any mystic quality to it. You know, if you put uh, a million dollars in cash, I don't think it'll, you'll find it on the sidewalk one day. But (laughs) if you put it in a place where you can see it, and you look at it every day, you know, maybe on some subconscious level, at the very least, you know what I mean, you're starting to condition yourself. So that's part of it. The other things in terms of what I'm going to work on usually come down into buckets, you know, kind of like family, professional, personal, Mm -hmm. um, family's obvious. I'm still a very new dad. So, you know, learning that and, and, uh, tackling that head on, very excited. Um, I don't have a specific skill there. I'm just going to do my best check. Uh, if I, if I did that, um, for, for the professional is, you know, scaling the content team at Gong and uh, really helping them, uh, empowering them is, is kind of my focus right now, which is, you know, empowering them to be autonomous, to, uh, you know, make decisions without me. Um, so that that's kind of part of it. And I'm still kind of, you know, mapping that out, what that'll feel like. Um, and then skills I'm still figuring out. So we're publishing this this week. We're actually on recharge week, so we're not doing work. So I still plan on ironing this out. In 2020, focused on writing. I took a couple of writing courses to, to improve my skills there and, and speaking, which me and you got to do together, which was, you mm-hmm. know, learning how to speak at virtual conferences and, and getting some speech coaching. So that was last year. Haven't decided what I'm going to focus on for this year yet, but I'll, I'll know by next week's episode. So you can hold me accountable next week. I, I'll, I will. Have a, I'll have an answer for you. I will. What about you? Have you had a chance to put some thought into it? So, um, 
I've given it some thought, but I haven't maybe made it as actionable as I could. I know at, on the home front, one thing that I really want to work on is patience. Mm. Uh, for those who don't know, I have three little kids at home. We often have six people in my apartment every weekday between myself, my husband, the nanny, um, and there's just a lot going on. It's kind of like a you know like a clown car sometimes. I feel <laughs> like and it's like a million things jumping out everywhere. And just being able to have patience and take things one step at a time is something that I really need to work on. I don't have any tangible way to work on that other than to keep it mm. top of mind. I do think there is like just a mental health aspect to it. Maybe, you know, some of the things that we talked about with Marcus, right? Like taking yeah. that time every morning on yourself, like what do you need to be your best self is something that I'd like to work on this year. On the professional side, um, the thing that I would really like to work on is prioritization and making sure that I'm spending my valuable time on the things that are going to be the most impactful because uh, we get pulled in so many different directions every day. So a little bit about like what we talked about with Dorian um, on effectively prioritizing your tasks and your projects, um, that's something that I'd like to work on uh, on a from a uh, professional basis. You've inspired me. You're right. Prioritization is, is a big one. Um, and I was doing my best just now because you also reminded me active listening. I think I'm mm. going to add that one to my list. Mm -hmm. And I, like you said, I don't really know how to measure it. I mean, we, we're revenue intelligence. We love our data. We love our facts. I think some things it's okay to just at the end of the week, look back and say, did I get better? Or there were some times where I was listening better when I was more patient. And if the answer is yes, then that's a win for the week and that's okay. And you can ask your wife and what she thinks too. <laughs> oh no, shit. That's, that's a fair, you know what? That's a, that's a good judge, but a tough judge. Uh, but if you're, if you're wondering, you know, why we're talking so much about, you know, what we're trying to get better at, that's exactly what we talked uh, to Marcus about. And so I'm really excited about this interview. I had a great time meeting with Marcus. You'll probably hear it in my voice. Uh, and sometimes my speed of cadence when I, when I, uh, I'm having a good time, but yeah, we wanted to start the year off with you guys in a way of, you know, positivity. How can we get better? So hopefully this episode will enlighten you in some ways and maybe give you some ideas for things that you can focus on in 2021. Marcus, thanks for hanging out with us, man. I'm glad we are finally meeting. Hey, I am fired up to hang out with you guys today. We're gonna have a lot of fun. I promise. <laughs> So before we dive into the fun stuff, and today we're going to talk about five ways sales pros can get better in 2021, I would love to know, how would you describe Venley Consulting Group to someone who's not in sales? Yeah, great question. Super simple. Like We help B2B sell, business, business sales professionals sell more and earn more. That's it. It's that simple. That's straightforward. Now I'll ask for a little more detail in terms of maybe like how you guys do that. What, what's kind of your formula as much as you can share so people get a little more context. Yeah, 100%, right? So, you know, we work directly, you know, one-on-one -on -one with B2B reps and we help them, you know, refine and improve their entire sales process. That's from, it can be from mindset, prospecting, routine, to discovery, to closing, to, you know, growing accounts, to even getting promoted. So it's across the whole board, the entire prospectly refining skills that are fundamentally sound that can be transferable regardless of whatever they sell, whether it's software, industrial services, healthcare, education, it does not matter. And that entrepreneurial spirit has been in you for a long time. 
I read that one of your first jobs was actually selling Speedos full-time in a retail store, and you also hustled and sold them on the side at swim meets, and that hustle helped you pay for college. Um, so I'm curious, like, what made, motivated you to take that on at such a young age? Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, I should say I was a competitive swimmer growing up, so it wasn't I just randomly started selling <laughs> So I wanted a, to know where the product decision came from there. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, I don't want to give a visual, but like maybe he was a model before he was a seller. I, I don't know. It's up to Marcus. No. Uh, you know, with, with selling that, that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, for me, it was really, it's very simple. Um, the drive came from a massive fear of failure. That's really where it came from, right? Um, you know, my parents were immigrants. They came to America. We were very poor growing up. So, um, you know, I was always worried about losing our house, becoming homeless. And then once I was going to go to school, you know, they really, in Asian culture, they value education very highly. So going to school, I, mean, I want to go to school, but I didn't want to take on any school debt. Um, I want to find a way to go to school without having debt. And I knew, um, you know, I wrote scholarship. I said I got some scholarships, but I knew I can control my work effort and ethic and I can apply that to make money. It wasn't a lot of money, but enough to pay for school. And that to me was really important to graduate with really um, no baggage, if you will, going into my uh, quote, adult, adult life without having a uh, looming, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 K in debt plus interest on top. I want to be able to start fresh and new to do that. But on top, more importantly, I also want to be able to build an investment portfolio even before I started, you know, before I graduated. That was important to me to have a, a plan for the future because of that fear of failure of being homeless. Yeah, you had the f- a fire under you. And it seems like that is still there in you. It's uh, that that drive, that hustle. Uh, so that that's super interesting. Also a father. So I'm curious, how do you instill that drive uh, as a father as well? Yeah, so it's, and it's, it's so critical, right? So my toddler, he's, you know, almost four. And I think what's really important is, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, yes, as parents, we could talk a big game about, hey, you know, work hard and you, you got to earn it, whatever, right? Um, but more importantly, I think it's really important to display the behavior they can see as a pure example for them, right? So as Roman, my son, he knows, like, when I'm in, in my office or I'm in the zone, I'm in the zone. He knows that, right? He, he does come and wants to distract me and play and do all these fun things, but he knows once dad's in his office, it's go time, right? It's go time, right? So he knows that he knows when dad walks out of the office, it's playtime. And that's really important. And I do my best to try to have a separation where I'm not bleeding over the work into the personal stuff, but he knows I have a zone where I'm doing the work in and that's important. And on top of that, what I am working on is it's a little bit of a challenge, right? But He's grown up in a very different environment, right, um, than I grew up in as, as a kid. I grew up in a very, very small house. We had, had nothing nice. I mean, we were poor as, as heck. And, you know, Ron knows a luxury. He has a nice house, a nice living. It's very comfortable. It's great for him. It's a very different environment. So for it's hard, it's, it's, it's a struggle for me to also work to help him develop the right perceptions about money, wealth, working hard, and ethic, or going to earn it. So one of the things is whenever he says he wants something, like, you know, Amazon sent us uh, a, a catalog, which is very smart of them, with all these toys in there. He's going through, like, circling what he wants, and he's like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. And I say, great, but how are we going to get the money to go get it, right? How are we going to get the money to do it, right? Oh, he's like, oh, Dad, you're going to go work. I'm like, sure, I'm going to do that, but what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? So that's one of the things where I'm working to hopefully develop some really core, strong values uh, at an early age so he will hopefully grow up with the right values to know, hey, you know what? Nothing is deserved and everything is earned. I love it. 
and great advice for me is I've got, uh, I've got a new two month old. She's not, she's not asking me those questions yet, but now I've got some good answers. Uh, <laughs> when my, my turn for the, uh, Amazon catalog hits the address. Right. Uh, got well, that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marcus, you also had a big accomplishment this year and I want to congratulate you. You made the top 10 LinkedIn sales voice this year. So congrats. Hey, thanks very, very much. It was, uh, it was a lot of work. It wasn't easy, but uh, you know what? I feel very fortunate to have uh, achieved that. And that's what segued my thought of having us have this topic for today, which is, I mean, you're the CEO of a consulting firm that helps salespeople get better. You're constantly on LinkedIn helping salespeople get better. So the topic was pretty easy. So I'd love to hear from you as we enter 2021. We're recording this at the end of 2020. What are the five things that sales pros can do, in your opinion, to improve themselves? Yeah, great question. Obviously, I could list so many things, right? But to keep it very simple, and obviously, we have so much time for our podcast today, right? So uh, number one, I would say would be, if you haven't started yet, start using video as much as possible in your outreach. That's, That's number one, okay? Number two is making sure you are creating and putting out useful content that will become a lead generation machine that works for you 24-7. Number three, mastering the pattern interrupt, using pattern interrupts as a way to engage and interact with your potential prospects. And number four, using power priming exercises. While Since we're all work from home right now, <clears throat> obviously, it can be tough. So you need to have powerful priming exercises that put you in a peak performing state every single day to give your best. And then number five is making sure that you are constantly investing in your own development in 2021 and beyond. So you become the best version of yourself, not just for your job, but for your life. That's a, that's a great hot list. I'll be honest. I'm most, uh, I would say interested. I love a good pattern interrupt. I work on it all the time. Sheena and I have had a speech coach mm-hmm. where uh, that was like, you know, chapter one uh, in terms of writing content for, for presenting. So I'm excited for that one. And I have no idea what power priming exercises are, but I have a feeling you're going to challenge me to do some of those today. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Let's start That's with good. the first one, which is using video for outreach. It's been around for a while. I can't say that it's novel anymore, but I still think there's been some hesitation for sales teams to truly adopt it, right? Phone, yes. Email, of course. Video, like going to the gym. You should do it. You could do it, but you'll probably, you know, you'll do fine without it. Uh, you've got tools like Drift and BombBomb um, and I'm sure Vidyard, a few other ones out there. Why do you think that using video is so effective and why is it so important to do this year immediately? Yeah, so the first off is at the end of the day, um, the path of least resistance where most people go, okay? So you think about a, 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 a C-level exec. They get a lot of emails. They probably get some cold calls and phone calls. But they've it's because it's hard to send video, because it takes work and effort, and it takes some courage to actually do, they don't receive that many. So when you send a video, number one, that's a pattern interrupt, okay? That's already, you're already standing out by just doing that. So that increases your chance of a response rate just from there as a result. And, uh, you know, I mean, and I've seen across the board, right? I think, I think Kevin Dorsey posted, he had, a, he had some job openings opening up. He's like, I think, I think it was like, we had a hundred people, you know, uh, you know, reach out. 
and only like three people did video, right? Those three people are the ones that stood out, right? So that, that's across the board. So number one, it's huge for just a pattern to stand out. The second thing is when you use video, it really increases your KLT factor, your no like and trust factor. When someone sees you on video, they can see your facial question, your body language, how you are, and really, are you a legitimate person or are you some sort of automated sequence skin sent to them? So when you do that video, you stand out. Like I still do video DMs even in my LinkedIn. And I mean, I, I got a message back from yesterday and they're like, wow. And this happens pretty often. They're like, wow, I literally have never, ever received a video that was customized to me. And it blew their mind, right? So video is such a powerful tool because people can, People can read your body language. They can see how you communicate, how you carry yourself, your your eyes. They can see your face. They can see your back and they can see all around you. So they can make some quick judgments very quickly. And that visual piece really feeds into the trust part of their brain. And as a result, then they're going to be more open to having a conversation with you. And that's such a powerful way to start off a relationship with them, them thinking, wow, you stood out and I might not, not know you well enough, but my no like trust factor is already increasing with you. And by the extra effort, because they know it's not easy, you've already stood out. And, of course, obviously, the better you are on camera, the, the better it's going to you know, come out for the video, too. We've talked about video on the show before, and we've talked about, like, it, you know, the importance from a performance perspective, from standing out, just a response that you get. But I honestly, like, hadn't really thought about, like, the trust side of things. And I think that's really interesting. Just, you know, you are another human on the other side. And... Uh, demonstrating your professionalism, um, you know, all of that can come through in a video. It can't come through as easily in, in the written word. 100%, 100%. And also, when you can see them visually and you can hear them and you can see their facial expressions, because right? on the video, you'll obviously get the audio portion as well. You can hear their tone, their pace, their inflection, the pausing, and all the parts that are really key for a great communicator. So when you add all those things in together, it allows you to gain trust so much faster. Right. Mm-hmm. And then people actually know, hey, you know what? This is a real person. Because here's the thing at the end of the day, nobody wants to be pitched and nobody wants to have buyers remorse for anything they buy as a consumer or as a business. So you start off with the right foot by doing something nobody else does or very small percentage does. And then on top of that, they can see you. And if you do a good job on camera, that the KLT factor increases and that increases your chance of getting responses, booking more meetings closing more opportunities and really building off a real relationship and partnership with this potential prospect. And I have to say, Marcus, you know, I, I would say I trusted you before I met you today. I, I didn't have any reason to distrust you. And, you know, we have some sure. mutual friends who've co-signed. But um, in all seriousness, right when we got on this call, you had your video up and I could sense your energy. You had a smile on your face and it did make me trust you and like you faster probably than if I had just been looking at a great, you know, LinkedIn photo. So, for what it's worth, folks, it worked on me today. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so number two on your list was create useful content to generate and nurture leads 24-7. When sales thinks about content creation, they are typically you know, pointing their fingers and looking over at their marketing colleagues. What does content creation mean for a sales pro and how can they start creating that on their own? At the end of the day, we have to reframe how we think about content. Content is an asset. And if you use it the proper way as a sales professional, like it's, it's not, hey, this is marketing's job, this is a sales job. 
you, you want to have a full understanding of both. And when you understand, hey, you know what, if I also create content as well, it's only going to help me. And the, the mistake I see sometimes with, with sales professionals on like on LinkedIn is, you know, they might be selling, call, they're selling, say, HR software. But all they post is about is like sales tips. Well, that's cool, but that's not useful content for the target market. So what you really want to focus on is focus on specifically creating useful, powerful content, helpful, really helpful content or, you know, educational or, you know, the edutainment content for your target market. And that does take some intentionality and focus. But also on top of that, that does mean you need to make sure you're constantly building your audience of the right target market as well in in your, uh, you know, your LinkedIn followers. Otherwise, they're not going to see it. And that takes intentionality. And the more you do it, the more you're going to serve them. But let me get really specific because um, I want people to be able to walk away and say, you know what, I can go and do this, right? Because a lot of times people overcomplicate what type of content to create. So think of it this way. You think of your, your target market. Let's just say it's HR managers. I'm just going to choose one, HR managers. And what you want to think about is like for them, what's going to be of true value for them? And forget about what you sell. Okay, forget that you sell HR software. Just think, what are their biggest challenges, issues, and problems? What are their heartburns, right? And you can literally Google it. It's not that hard, okay? <laughs> you know, you can literally find the most common books HR managers read, find it on Amazon, go on to Amazon, look at the reviews, look at two through four stars, choose those two through four star reviews, read through them, and see their complaints, and write content about that if you want to do that. Right. But if you want like a super, a super ninja hack, super simple, if maybe you're not, you don't, you don't want to think that way. Let's say you find the HR manager, find out what's, what are the biggest issues. Let's just say they, they struggle with turnover. Okay. So you go and find a great book on, you know, the seven hidden reasons why employees turn over. Okay. Go through, get the summary that you probably Google, get for free or go buy the book on Amazon. Get all the chapters, read each chapter, take notes, and create a post focused on each chapter. That book has 15 chapters. You now have 15 tips you can put out to help reduce turnover for HR managers. So now when you're engaging with HR managers, they see what you're putting out. They're like, wow, this is really useful, actually. I never thought about it this way. So now you become a resource and authority. So now when you're engaging with them, they're more open to they're more open to having a conversation with you. They're more open to accepting your requests. It actually nurtures them nonstop. And the cool part is this. Like, say, for example, you're creating content consistently. You send a connection request. Let's say they, they accept it, but then they, they don't respond to your first video, your first DM. And maybe you sent a great video, and they still don't respond. But they're kind of like, and they're, they're just not sure about you. But now, as you're consistently putting out valuable, helpful content for your target market, the HR manager, they're getting nurtured. And they're getting nurtured over time, the more content you put out, right? And if you're really strategic, you're also doing your LinkedIn stories too. So now you nurture them with value, value, value. So eventually, if the timing is right, your next outreach, they may answer that phone call, they may respond to that email, or they might just reach out to you. Like I'll give you an example for my business. I average eight to 12 inbound leads daily as a result of the content I do. Some days are better than others, but it's a machine. It's like a train. It's like a dead stop when you first start doing content. And once you start pushing, it takes a lot of work up front. But as you get a little momentum, you keep going and eventually it starts picking up speed more and more and more and more. And then the leads machine starts churning nonstop. But once you stop, it'll eventually start slow, like dying down, right? It's kind of like when you get that six pack, you got to keep eating clean. Otherwise, you, uh, you know, you gain back the beer belly. Not that I have a six pack, but I can say that is by far the hardest 
thing to maintain. <laughs> um, I, I like a lot of what you had broken down. I think too, for folks who might be thinking, you know, in a book, Marcus, you want me to go read a whole book just to write some LinkedIn posts? Don't think of it just as single-minded or, or single track of like, I'm only getting the value of these LinkedIn posts. You're also educating yourself on your buyer. And those those insights will come up on conversations that you're having every single day. And so you will have, you know, attained that, uh, you know, the trusted advisor that, I, you know, every salesperson wants to strive for. You really have to know the ins and outs of that buyer. Like you said, the things that uh, the heartburn, I like that. I hadn't heard that one yet. And, you know, if you start to understand the historical problems and the kind of future predictions of the folks that you're selling into, you can really start to have more meaningful conversations in that way. The other yes. thing um, that you had mentioned was the kind of work up front. Personally, I can say that is that is definitely the case. You, you got to kind of start slow. It feels slow, even though you're putting in the work. But I'm sure for you, these eight or 10 leads, the first time that they saw your post was not, you know, they didn't see one post and then reached out to Marcus for his business. They were probably following you for days, most likely months, maybe even years. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you've been, you've been on their mind, then you've crept up to the middle of their mind. And then now they're like, I know what Marcus solves. I know what these problems mm -hmm. are and what he talks about. So if they're in a meeting with Sheena in a strategy meeting and that problem comes up, you're, you're top of mind. You're exactly who they're reaching out to. Mm -hmm. And you've primed oh, them as well with a lot of that, uh, that KLT. 100%, right? And, and what happens is, um, you know, it's you, when you do it consistently, you start showing consistently, you just become known. And people start knowing, liking, trusting you a lot more. And reality is when you have that personal brand around that, and here's, here's the thing, I intentionally chose some like HR software because that's not glamorous. That's not something that's like, that's like super cool. You're not selling like a, like a Tesla or something, right? You're selling like HR software, right? That could be cool or not depending who you talk to. But if Gary Vaynerchuk says, hey, go buy this like this like Yeti mug, everyone go out and buy it because that, that KLT factor is super high. Right, because he's got a great personal brand. If you are really strategic, have this marketing mind on top of a sales mind, you utilize platforms like LinkedIn and other social media platforms to be able to create a lead generation machine that helps nurture your prospects. Because even if, let's say, you have a meeting and they don't end up, you know, going with you, they go with somebody else, no problem. At the end of the day, you must play the long game. And when you can play the long game, you can build a thriving business and territory that you own. Uh, but if you play the short game, you're like, hey, I put a post out there, I didn't get any leads. Well, that, that's not going to serve you in the long run. You got to remember at the end of the day, it's hard for a reason. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Take advantage of the algorithm right now, put out the valuable kind of show up consistently and do it. And when you do that, you can build a thriving business. This is how I, I started my business over a year ago and I built a very lucrative business. I feel very fortunate for that. And I've got some pretty cool accolades because of that. Because I utilize the power of creating content and use it as a machine that I know can multiply my efforts. And that's a very powerful tool to have once you build the machine. Well, it's a great point. We had Justin Welsh on the show and he was talking about building a brand. And to the theme of don't think short term, he was saying long term, you get to take that brand with you once you leave your current company. 100%. And a lot of times That's if right. you're selling HR, you pro not always, but oftentimes you'll sell to HR in your next job. And before you know it, that's mm -hmm. kind of your, your niche. And so that brand will compound over time. And again, it's something you can, you can keep and it's yours. A hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's dive into the third suggestion, which was to use pattern interrupts. Most folks might know what it is, but can you just describe it? So we're all on the same page real quick. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's very simple. It's something you say or do that gets the receiver to stop, right? It makes them stop, right? And that's a very powerful thing. And when they stop, you have now captured their attention, and now you have an opportunity to do something with that attention, okay? And that in today's world, we uh, it's a game of attention. It's all it is. Wherever the attention goes, money flows. That's it. So the more you can attract attention, uh, hopefully in a good way, I mean, bad attention can still attract attention as well, but the more attention you can stop and get, you will be able to generate more leads business off. And that applies across the board, whether it's content to your outreach, uh, whether it's you know phone, email, whatever it's going to be, all of it, it, it can be utilized with pattern interrupts. And that's a very powerful way to get people's attention. I'm curious as how you can use pattern interrupts somewhere in the mid to late funnel. You know what I mean? Like in a closing call and a proposal call, because I think those are really high stakes conversations. And I 100%. think for the most part, they kind of go a certain way. You know, there's a kind of a flow that a lot of seller, sellers fall into. I'd love to hear if you have any pattern interrupts, you know, maybe from your own experience and those types of conversations, how it's worked out and, and maybe kind of the results from that. 100%, right? So uh, I'll, give, I'll give you a real good example, right? So, um, you know, it was for, a, I'll, I'll share a personal one for me, right? So, you know, this is like, you know, middle to late funnel. Um, I had a, a large opportunity for my business and I'll, I was working for a consulting, you know, opportunity. And, you know, and it, early on, great conversations. I feel like I have everyone bought in, all the decision makers, the president, the CFO, and all these people. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, you never want to, you know, get too excited until everything is done, until you receive payment and things go, right? So a little happier ex- might have been setting in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm pretty excited and suddenly they disappear. They ghost me. I'm like, oh, perfect. Okay. I'm like, okay, no big deal. First it's like, you know, don't panic. Just chill. It's going to be okay. Right? Like, you know, you, you call them. They didn't call back. I said, and they normally do. And, you know, your, your brain starts like, okay, what's, what's going on? Did someone else enter the equation? What's going on? No, wait a little bit, right? Wait a couple of days, another type of outreach, you know, shoot an email over, no response, you know, try shooting a text over, no response. And we, and it goes probably two, three weeks and I have a little touch points all in between, right? No response, right? And majority of salespeople, including myself, I'm like, dang it. Like what happened? Like, you know, we had all these things lined up. You, 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 you believe you've done everything a hundred percent to that point. Right. And you just like, and it could be obviously a major, you know, it could be a multitude of different reasons. Right. So at that, at that point, I decided to inject a, a very simple pattern interrupt. Right. And, um, you know, it was, it was very, very simple. Right. Like, it's like, like, I'm like, okay, you know, if you think about this, um, when you think about email, phone call, LinkedIn, text, Text is one of the fastest ways to get someone to respond realistically, right? It's very, very powerful. So uh, I shot a text over uh, to uh, uh, my uh, my contact, right? And it wasn't like, you know, like, like a breakup email text. I'm not really in that type of stuff, right? Um, you didn't, but you didn't it send a, f- a bunch of guilt, Marcus? You didn't, yeah, <laughs> you didn't tell them how your heart was broken exactly. and that your four-year-old's not going to be able to get anything out of the Amazon catalog? And- <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, this is this, this, this Hot Wheels deal. This, like, you know, riding around Tesla thing they want. So, like, you know. So, uh, so I sent over. Uh, it was just it was a simple meme. I, I just looked up. You know, I was, your memes are powerful for pattern interrupts. You know, I looked, this is a, a fun meme. It was like, like, you know, annoying, like annoying toddler, you know, annoying toddler meme or something like that. Right. And I, I just saw her text. I'm like, you know, Hayden Nice, like, you know, like, I don't want to be like this toddler here in this picture, 
let me know best how I can support you, right? Within 30 seconds, she calls. Wow. She's laughing, right? Of because course. now we introduce, as a pattern rep, some levity into the situation, right? She's like, oh, no, no, no. Hey, we're super sorry. Like, you know, we had a, some turnover in the in the business for leaders, and it's been a hot mess. Like, I'm, I'm stressed. Everyone's stressed. We want to do it. Like, let's go ahead and set up a time right now, of course, so we set up a future time. And we end up getting the deal down the road. But my point was is um, utilizing stuff like that, it's a little outside the box, can be incredibly powerful. Because it, it can shake it up, right? Whether it's a meme. And that's so simple to do. You know, you can do the meme in text, in email, et cetera, right? Um, and depending on your style, some some people believe, like, some people, for some reason, never call cell phones. I don't know why. Like, you should call a cell phone. That could be considered a pattern for some people. Like, calling their cell phone, yeah. you know, like, huh. like, if you have a cell phone, don't call the office. Call the cell phone. Well, if they provide it for you. Yeah, call it. I mean, like, especially like, there's no reason, right? Um, so those are the type of things you can do to really stand out, right? Because at the, at the end of the day, it's, it, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Like, it just took a little bit of thought, a little bit of Googling, a little bit of a screenshot, tidying that picture up, and just a very simple message and just sending it, sending it through. Um, and you can incorporate that same, same concept for everything from your initial outreach to middle funnel, top of the funnel, or, you know, end the funnel as well. But the goal is, get them to pay attention and hopefully engage. That's really the goal of that pattern interrupt. As a, as a buyer, I can, um, I can definitely say that those pattern interrupts, when I've received them from folks who have been reaching out to me are extremely helpful, mm-hmm. uh, especially these days where everyone is busy. They're stressed. There's a million things going on. When you get that text message, it's just a reminder. Um, mm-hmm. So I highly encourage that form, like when it's appropriate, right? You know, don't do it on a, sa- on a Sunday morning when people are with their families. <laughs> do it at the right yeah. time and place. Right. That's and a there's probably, <laughs> And there's probably also like a couple things that have, other things that have worked for me, again, on the buyer side. Um, I was working with the vendor. You know, things were busy. A lot of stuff was going on. They then invited me to like a roundtable type of session with other folks like me where they were talking about topics that were relevant to me. I, that was interesting. I joined in. That kick-started the conversation. It closed the deal. We bought software. We use it. It's great, and everyone's happy. Um, so things, something like that may take a little bit more time. So I think, again, kind of depending on the scenario, who you're working with, who you're selling to, there's a lot of different ideas that can kind of bring their attention back in. Well, I think at the end of the day, right, you bring up such a great point where it's like sometimes a pattern up isn't something goofy like a meme. Sometimes it's simply doing something out of the ordinary versus, hey, did, are you going to buy? Are you going to buy? Are you going to buy? Instead of doing that, stop and say, hey, here's something of value for you. Would you like this? We have this round table of other top industry leaders. If you want, just let me know, and we'll send you over, you know, the registration information. Boom. Now they're reengaged, right? So that's another great pattern up just right there to zoom out for if you're maybe stuck on like, if my in a pattern is mm-hmm. what you just said is like, do you want to buy? Are you going to move forward? Is, you know, those emails you get, especially right now, it's December something. So Q4 in the year wrapping up, I'm sure those emails are being sent all over the place is kind of going back to the toddler. When someone taps on your shoulder, you get about three taps and then you whip your head around. Like what is going on behind me? That is exactly. this important. And it's never <laughs> as important as your anger level. Right. And so if you're listening to this and you're wondering, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm in this spot. I can't, I've I've got three deals that Marcus just described where I can't get a response. Look at the last couple times that you reached out and I bet you they probably look the same. So find another way that you can, you can get on their line. A hundred percent. Exactly right. Good point. So number four on your list was to use 
power priming exercises, a bit of a tongue twister, <laughs> to maximize your performance, a lot of P's. So what, what are power priming exercises? I'm imagining like getting down and doing like push-ups and sit-ups, but it's probably something else. Tell us more. Yeah, so check us out, right? So um, at the end of the day, what a lot of people don't realize is you can control your state. And reality, whatever state you are mentally determines your results for that day. It's kind of like if you wake up on the wrong side of bed, you're like, ah, I feel awful. We all happens to all of us, right? And then strangely, the rest of the day goes terrible. It's very strange. I know that's what happens, right? Like everything annoys you, everything bothers you, et cetera, because you did not change your state. And this is where you need to be able to have priming exercises that change your state, okay? Like, like me personally, I have my own crazy morning routine to set myself up to go win the day. And I'm not saying everyone needs to do it, right? But my point is this, um, you know, at the end of the day, everyone has four energy buckets that determine their level of energy, right? When you can manage your energy really well, you have really great results, right? And you have your emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual buckets. Your ability to refill those buckets consistently determines your output in life every day, every week, every month, et cetera. Now, Everyone's got a different size bucket. So for some people, maybe if they have a really big like physical bucket, meaning every day if they don't exercise, they they feel uh, you know not not themselves, right? Or maybe it's spiritual. Maybe if they don't pray each day, they don't feel like they are on their game. So each person needs to determine for them what are those key things that when they do it, they feel on. They feel they are a hundred percent and ready to go. And mistakes some people make is this. They wait till those buckets are completely empty, and then they're like, oh, I need a vacation. Well, you can't fly anywhere (laughs) right now, so it's already too late. So if you think about this, if you can incorporate specific things in your day, and I'll share some of mine in a second. We incorporate some things into your day that will refill your buckets that allows you to feel your best and be the best version of you, which means you'll be better at on the phones, you'll be better at selling, you'll be better at writing emails, you'll be a better parent, you'll be a better friend, you'll be a better, you know, husband, wife, spouse, you'll be a better son. It does not matter, right? So I'll give you an example, right? So, uh, and I'll, I'm going to share my kind of what I do in the morning, sure. but it does not mean everyone needs to do this. So just, just so you know, so people get this wrong, like, oh, I need to have this crazy routine. Yeah, I, I have the routine that people make fun of in posts. I get that, okay? I'm, I'm over it. So <laughs> at least really you're, you're prefacing, so we know, we know. <laughs> All right, in case you're new to Reveal, in every episode, we have a data breakout, a quick sidebar to look at the data. Marcus is a big believer in the power of daily habits, and we've all heard that it takes about 21 days for a new habit to become automatic. That means all we need to do to master a new habit is stick with it for about three weeks and we'll be good to go, right? Well, that actually turns out to be a bit of a myth. The 21-day target is based on work by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, who originally stated that new habits require a minimum of about 21 days. The self-help industry later shortened that to, it takes 21 days to form a new habit. The problem is, Dr. Maltz was simply observing what was going on around him. He wasn't making a statement of fact. So if it's not 21 days, how long does it really take to lock in a new habit? According to a study published by European Journal of Social Psychology, it takes an average of 66 days before a new behavior becomes automatic. The number varied widely, anywhere from 18 to 254 days, depending on the behavior, the person, and the circumstances. What that means is that it could take you anywhere from 2 to 8 months to truly build a new habit. So be sure to set your expectations appropriately. 
Stay tuned to the micro action at the end of the episode, something else we do every single week, for tips to help you focus on the habits with the biggest impact. When I do my routine, it puts me in my best possible performing state, which allows me to serve my clients and everyone else at my peak levels. That's really important, right? So uh, every day, I wake up at 5 o'clock. Today, I wake up at 5 o'clock, right? Uh, I roll out of bed. No snooze. Roll right out of bed. It's not easy. Somebody's got to do it. Roll out of bed. I go and I do a power 30-minute workout. It's already preset. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Uh, today, I did 420 repetitions of a specific targeted muscle group, right? 30 minutes, power, boom, go. In and out, get it done. And while I'm doing that, so that's my physical bucket getting filled. I'm listening to an audiobook that fills my mind with the right things to grow my mind. So like, I'm, I'm re-listening to uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth. Great book if you haven't read that. So I'm feeling even more pumped after I listen to this, right? I go, I, I, I shower, and then I shower. It's five-minute shower max, five-minute shower, boom. Last 30 seconds, ice cold. Shocks the pattern, boom, right? I, go, I change, go downstairs, go to my home office, and then I, 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 this is pretty new. I incorporate the Wim Hof breathing exercises for five minutes, right? Go through that, right? So very powerful, Sets the tone, control, I'm controlled, boom, from there. I then will write down my one, three, and five-year goals. I write them all out. Then after that, I go through a series of affirmations. After all my affirmations are done, I then will visualize for 10 minutes. And what I've done, actually, is what, is what I call my vivid vision. So I have written out exactly one year from now exactly what my perfect day would look like, assuming I've accomplished every single one of my one-year goals. And, and then from there, it's like, it's like I, woke, I wake up at 5 o'clock. I feel energized and rejuvenated. I roll right out of bed. And it's, it's, like, it's like I'm describing not just what happens but how I feel. On top of this, you're going to think I'm crazy next. So I then I've recorded an audio of me narrating to myself that perfect day. I listen. I I was holding in laughing just because she. I saw Sheena laughing. You know, you see someone laughing, you can't hold it in. I'm. I'm not laughing at you, Marcus. What I was laughing at was like going back and listening to myself do that. I'm like, I can't imagine. You know, you read. You read like things you've written or you know recorded a a year ago, and you're like, man, I've grown so much. But maybe that's part of what your your thing is. And I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was. I was curious, like. As you're recording it, I imagine part of it is affirming what that vision is. But then do you 100%. also go back and listen to like previous recordings and maybe you're like reflecting like, wow, I've come a long way. Like that's what I used mm. to think. Now, like, look how much I've, how, how far I've come. Yeah. So it was really cool, right? So the recording I listen to every single day and what's really powerful, it burns into your subconscious mind. Sure. Right. So every day I listen. So what I'm visualizing, I'm actually listening to myself narrate my future self. And it's very powerful for yourself. Because here's the thing. It's uncomfortable to listen to yourself. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very awkward. I okay. feel weird listening to reveal episodes after, you know, hearing my own. But I love hearing Sheena. Love hearing Marcus and Gus. When I'm on, I'm like, yes. oh, mute that guy. Like, I just cannot <laughs> stand it. <laughs> here's the thing, right? If you notice it, my whole morning routine so far, let me, let me, let me finish. So once I get, to get, get done with that, boom. I'm ready to rock. That's six, it's 6.30 a.m. And I'm off yeah. to races doing my thing. It took me an hour and a half. I am now primed to give my best version of myself. Because here's, what, here's the thing. Once my day truly starts for work now, 
it can go to heck. It doesn't even matter because I at least control the morning. Like mm-hmm. at right. that point, I put myself in a peak performing state and whatever happens, happens. Like I can't control it. I'm like, <clears throat> things happen all the time that you can't control, but I can control, control the morning. So what's really cool is like when you do that consistently, you'll see it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to wake up early. It's uncomfortable to take ice cold shower. It's uncomfortable to do breathing. It's uncomfortable to listen to myself. It's all uncomfortable. But when you get really comfortable with the uncomfortable, it allows you to take more uncomfortable actions throughout the day, which means making that phone call, asking a tough question, doing those things you don't want to do. And here's the reality. When you can do the common things uncommonly well, you start achieving extraordinary results because of doing that. Completely. That is amazing. I am impressed. I was expecting a tall order, but I think I got like two. Like I got like, those are going to be two successful people's morning routines. Gina, the other person that this, this reminded me of was Carl from Sequoia. He he also wakes up at five, hits, hits the gym, uh, you know, listens. I think he said like ESPN, but a very similar thing here for (laughs) some some high performing folks. Um, I am for, for listeners. I would say too, is if you're hearing that, that can sound like a ton. Yeah. But I have a, I want to say similar, but even now I feel like I'm grossly over uh, exaggerating. <laughs> I have a relative morning experience, but I'll say as I picked one thing and I did it for a week or two, and then I added another thing and did it for a yes. week or two. And so you can start to slowly compound what you're doing. Yes. And mine started as simple as I drink eight ounces of water the second I get up. Like when I, my feet hit the carpet, it's like a signal to drink the water that I put there the night before. Yes. Then you start building in if exercise is your thing or even just walking 15 minutes of walking can be it. Right. And now I'm up to the, the, the thing I'm getting, there's a couple steps in there, but the thing I'm trying to get to is like five minutes of meditation to get that kind of mental alignment and just listen to where I am. And I can say firsthand the mornings where I do that, that, that cycle, I feel phenomenally better, especially around four o'clock when you can easily hit a wall after a really busy day is when I'm like, you know, I still got, I've still got some juice. Like I'm ready to go be dad now. And, uh, and I think Mm -hmm. I can make dinner too. And you know what? I might write something tonight at nine o'clock. Maybe I'm not going to overcommit. Let's not get crazy, but I've got, I've got what it takes. And to your point, it it is about just being at your optimal level and controlling what you can as much as you can. Yeah. And I'll say like, if you're listening to this, right, Here's a really simple, ta- this is exactly what I'll do. Because I talked to a lot of people about like, oh, that's a crazy routine. That's impossible. I'm like, I know. But remember, I've been doing this routine for 15 years, and it didn't start this way. Okay? So for those out there who are looking to incorporate, you know, primary exercise, it's going to help them be their best version of themselves. Number one, identify what's one thing that when you do it consistently really gives you energy. It refills, you know, your soul, your heart, your your body. You feel great mentally, right? Let's just say, for example, maybe it's um, reading the Bible. This is going to make something up, right? And maybe like, oh, man, I can't commit to reading like 20 minutes a day. That's okay. Start off with reading one sentence, one sentence a day, okay? Like tomorrow I'm going to start reading one sentence a day. And that's a very small, easy ask. You do that, and here's reality. You're probably going to read two sentences now, if not more, right? And then you start adding on gradually, gradually gradually and you get to the point where you feel really good maybe it's 15 minutes and then you want to add something else on right so you are you are uh stair stepping your habit building to the point where you can have a great routine because now when i don't do my routine i feel really weird i feel weird so um it's kind of like i have a, a nighttime routine as well it's the same thing like i was struggling to you know, i wanted to read, go back to reading hard like hard like real books and it was hard so i'm like you know i'm gonna I'm commit to one sentence one sentence a day and now I read at least 10 minutes a night. So it's the smallest things where you've choose 
you commit to one tiny action and allow it to build upon that as long as you commit that one tiny action. Well, I wasn't too far off when I was guessing push-ups and sit-ups. That could be part of someone's morning. <laughs> and you have motivated me to figure out what I'm adding into my day. That's partly why I was laughing, remembering how I woke up today and what I did. I did get 15 minutes in of a walk right before this, nice. this podcast. So that's what I've been doing. I love it. I mean, you start finding different ways to make it better, right? So I'll hit, here's a really simple one. I have an underdesk treadmill right here. I have an underdesk treadmill I'm standing on right now. Of course right? you do, Marcus. At this point, oh, like, there's a Peloton in the back corner. I can't see. There's probably other, no Peloton. other not, weights. I'm not fancy. Are there weights? I'm not that fancy. I'm envious yeah, of you. Good. When I was on leave, I was walking. You know, you walk, you do this, you're pushing a stroll around because you're excited. Oh, yeah. The Boy. drop-off on my phone from the amount of steps from the day I got back is – is is worrisome is is frankly worrisome and i'm like i gotta find ways to get more active so me 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 seemingly teasing you is is really me projecting my own insecurity at your success uh which is like (laughs) i'm gonna sheena watch 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 this on monday morning we will think of marcus chan individually i guarantee it when we're we're not doing when we're not doing our morning routine when it's 3 p.m and i'm like i've walked 400 feet uh we will think of you marcus and i will text you and go you're, you're officially an inspiration and you're, you're in my mind. So last but not least, you suggested that reps continue to invest in themselves as we move into 2021. And next year, we don't know exactly what it's going to be like. It's going to be something different than what 2020 bring. But what areas of personal development do you see as making the biggest impact and that folks should really con- consider investing in? Yeah, 100% right. I think to make it even simpler, right? So when you think about this, um, think about on uh, December 31st, 2021, Okay, think about December 31st, 2025. Who do you want to become at that point? And what skills do you need to have to get there? What mindset routines and habits do you need to start right now to get yourself there? Because at the end of the day, who you are right now is a result of how you've been thinking and the actions you've been taking for the last year. So you, that's where you first start off with that, right? So if you out there are struggling with, you know, um, let's just say it's, you know, maybe some mindset stuff, right? You should be investing into your mindset, right? And it's investing into things. It's like, it's like whether it's a coach, a course, reading books, seminars, getting mentors, et cetera. Investing now and putting in the work will only pay dividends. If maybe you're not in the physical shape you want to be in, invest now to get yourself right there is key if you're not if you don't write sales skills same thing invest in your own sales skills um the mistake many people make is they they wait for an event or someone to go and tell them to do something but you are your destiny is formed decisions you make so if you want to become the best version of yourself on december 31st 2020 or 2025 or, 20, or 2021 and 2025 then you must Take action to invest in yourself now. Do not wait. Do not wait for your boss. Do not wait for anybody else. But start doing that now. And ultimately, when you do that now, when you start investing in yourself now, you will have the highest amount of dividends. And what's important to understand is people need to view investing as a way to change how they think and the results they're going to get versus spending money, right? Like I see people like, oh, man, like uh, I don't want to buy this book and spend that money. Well, buying books and knowledge expedites your speed. And, you know, we talked about earlier, time is a finite resource. Anything you can do to speed up your learning curve and your skills will give you results. That one of the top reasons people fail in life is because they are always waiting. They're waiting for someone 
or an event or something to happen for them to actually do something. They're waiting for the perfect circumstances. But the reality is, is waiting delays your future success and your ability to take the action to get to where you want to go in the future. So true. So true. This has been great, Marcus. We like to ask all of our guests the same question to wrap up, which is, Marcus, how would you describe sales in one word? Serving. Serving. No hesitation. He knew exactly yeah. what it was about. And I think that's fitting, Garrett, given everything that you've you've shared today and from the way that you go about, not just your, your morning routine, because that's fresh of mind, but you said, you know, what I noticed is you didn't say, so I feel my best. You said, so if I feel my best, so I can best serve my customers. Mm-hmm. I might be tweaking your words a little bit, but that was sure, essentially good, what yeah. you said. And even too, is all the things that you talked about today were never of self-interest or, you know, selfish mm-hmm. desires. It was like, hey, if you do your best, it's just so you can put right back out. So I just right. described your one word for you, but th- uh-huh. it, it really resonated with me. And I really, really did enjoy this. No, I appreciate that. Right? I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a firm believer. Um, to sell effectively is serving at the highest level. Um, if you have a truly great product or offer or whatever you offer, and you have the ability to change a business, a consumer, whomever, it is your duty and responsibility to sell at the highest level. Because by not selling to them, they're not able to utilize those things going to help them. Like, for example, I think about what you guys offer. You can transform whole sales teams by improving the reps, right, and the leadership. So it makes zero sense why they would not want to invest and buy the program. It makes no sense to me. Like, I do not comprehend it because to sell is to truly serve at the highest level. I am so inspired after this, you know, this conversation. I am like writing my to-do list of the things that I need to do this weekend (laughs) to like figure out my morning routine, buy my treadmill, start (laughs) writing in my journal. I need to get all of that in order now. (laughs) I love it. That's great. That's great. Sheena, text me what you come up with because I think I'll be doing something similar. I've got a couple Amazon tabs <laughs> open of, of things. So, Marcus, it's the first time I've had an Amazon tab open as a result of one of our interviews. And I'm really glad that we did this at, at 930 in the morning because I've got a, uh, you know, it's been a long week. Today's Friday, but I'm feeling fired up to, to tackle yeah. the rest of this day, man. So thanks again for your time. Uh, you've got a fan in me and, uh, and dare I say a new friend. So I, I'm excited. Thanks, man. Hey, Devin, Sheena, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And you guys are friends too. Thank you. (laughs) See you, Marcus. All right, see ya. Bye. Every week, we like to bring you a micro action, something you can think about or put into play. Developing a new habit can take anywhere from 18 to 254 days. That's quite a commitment. So it makes sense to focus on the types of habits that will have the biggest impact. Here's some things to consider. Ask yourself, what's the one thing I want to commit to and improve on in 2021? Why is that goal so important to me? What am I going to do to ensure that I stay committed? And what's the first step I'm going to take right now to get started? Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.